It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing, carefully consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at globalxetfs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Co. Business. It's all the things that keep this world turning. And behind every one of these companies is a partner helping to keep it all moving. It's why the local flower shop and your favorite pizza joint, the startup and the stadium, hospitals and hotels, banks and restaurants nationwide, all choose the advanced network, cybersecurity solutions, and round the clock trusted partnership from Comcast Business, the company that powers more businesses than anyone else. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Call or visit ComcastBusiness.com to learn more. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray strandum wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. Welcome to this brand new podcast. We are the Powder Blue Podcast. Pitchers and catchers have reported to Clearwater, and so have we. And we're very, very thankful you're joining us. So welcome to our, our new Powder Blue Podcast co-hosts. Uh, first, I'll welcome Jeff Mosher. What's up, Jeff? What's going on, Frankie? You know, you know what? One thing I've always said about you, Jeff, your your Twitter handle is Jeff Mosher NFL. And I think we need to do something about that because, you know, you talk a lot of baseball and you know your baseball. It's my first love, Frank. So I always love talking baseball. I'm excited about this podcast with you and Hunter. And I don't want to let I don't want to, like, take the NFL out. But so if I'm Jeff Mosher NFL MLB and then lately, as Hunter knows, you know, I've been doing pretty good in the NHL line. So I have to I have to add that to my name, too. What, what, now, I noticed Jeff Mosher is taken, but what about Jeff underscore Mosher? I already have that pegged, although somebody listening might go and cyber squat that before we get a chance to do something about it. I can't lose the blue check mark. You know, if you change that, all that <laughs> stuff up, you lose the blue check mark. Blue check marks weren't a thing when I got into the media. So they, they, it's been on permanent hiatus, I guess, ever since. So, okay, so I don't have one, but, but you know who should have one? That's Hunter Brody, uh, producer at 97.3 ESPN. And, and you do all kinds of stuff lately, Hunter, right? All kinds of stuff is the best way to describe it. I don't know what I do anymore. I just click a lot of buttons and make it work. <laughs> all I know uh, is he's the star of the MGM uh, betting commercial. Uh, I see all these uh, people yelling. He's, he's in there. <laughs> I love how you didn't know that was – you thought it was someone who looked like me. Yeah. I was telling you, man, this guy looks just like you. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, besides being a commercial superstar, Hunter will be producing this for us, and we are we are most most grateful for him doing that for us here. But you know, there's a lot to talk about this upcoming season, and and I will say that uh, one thing that I wanted to do. It's been a while since I had a regular podcast going, and I wanted to make sure when I did it again, I did it right. And we we've got a great team here. And the nice thing about having three of us is if one of us can't make it in any given week. We can still power on as planned and still talk lots and lots of Phillies baseball. So, but let's get right to it. So, Phillies pitchers and catchers have reported, but there is one major baseball story that's been sort of taking over the headlines as of late, and that is the Houston Astros cheating scandal. And uh, I think we'll frame it this way because the Philadelphia Phillies' own Larry Boa weighed in on this one. Larry Boa said back in his day, Steve Carlton would have done something about this, referring to some possible retribution against the Houston Astros. And and here is the exact quote from Larry Boa. Why wouldn't you do anything about it? I'm not saying hit them in the head. I don't want anyone to get killed, but hit somebody in the ribs and say, if you want to keep doing this, we're going to keep on drilling you. That will stop it. Believe me, guys don't want to get hit, but nobody did Anything Now, Larry Boa, of course, is not the only one to suggest that the Houston Astros should get a fastball in the ribs. Uh, you know, the plenty of the Los Angeles Dodgers have said something, including Ross Stripling, who, by the way, was supposed to be traded from the Los Angeles Dodgers, the team, of course, who lost the 2017 World Series when the Houston Astros allegedly why well, can we even say allegedly like they, it's pretty clear that they did it. <laughs> we're we're yeah. stealing signs using video. Uh, but Ross Stripling says, oh, absolutely, I would retaliate. And he said when he thought he was going to the Los Angeles Angels, he was going to do so. <laughs> of course, that trade never actually happened because the Dodgers and Angels trade fell through. So this is a fascinating question right here. So uh, what do you do if you're an opposing team and you're facing the Houston Astros? Now, uh, from what I can tell, every time somebody opens their mouth, things just get worse. Uh, Astros owner Jim Crane made a fool of himself after months of silence. He comes out with a statement that says, well, we don't think it changed the outcome of the game. And then five seconds later said it didn't change the outcome of the game. So let's look at you first, Jeff Mosher. What do you do if you're the opposition? Do you do you throw a little Steve Carlton action their way or do you just let it go? Well, I remember reading a lot of comments from pitchers um, prior to the punishment being handed down. And most of them, came out and said, you know, we always suspected something was going on or I had some really good stuff that day. Even David Robertson of the Phillies was talking about it the other day saying two years ago when they were facing each other in the ALCS, he had really good stuff. And I'm sure he had heard the rumors, but to, to what Larry's saying, if these guys, these guys didn't know, they just maybe thought something fishy was going on. And while I appreciate um, Larry Boa's old school sentiment, even if you had a strong feeling and you knew it like what are you going to do go hit every single astro you're going to put them all on base you're going to get thrown out of every game i don't know that they could have stopped it just by hitting specific astros at certain times in the game maybe perhaps but then think of the ramifications you're constantly getting thrown out of the game you're you're constantly getting warned by umpires it's it's really i, I get larry's sentiment but I, I it was i don't see how it's really theoretically or feasible that they could have done anything to stop it. Now, now that the punishment's been handed down, yeah, I do think there'll be a lot of guys from the Astros drilled. So, so Hunter, I'll pose this to you. So I, I looked it up before we got together for this show. 
The 2008 Cleveland Indians hold the American League record for getting hit by pitches as a team. That was 103. And last season, the Houston Astros, 66 of them got hit by pitches. Where do you put that number in 2020? Oh, it's definitely going up. I I think it might even double. It might even break the record. There's no doubt that pitchers are going to go after these guys. The the thing is, I've never seen a brotherhood, and I'm using air quotes there because I don't know if it is a brotherhood right now, but I've never seen a brotherhood like this go after one another with the media and the comments. It is pure hatred, so they are going to get beamed. There's no doubt about it. Throw a prop bet on that. Can we get like, yeah. <laughs> over under prop bet on hit by pitches? I, I think there should be one somewhere. Somebody is going to make some money off of that one. I, you know, it, it'd be very, very interesting to see because Dusty Baker, the Astros manager, who of course had absolutely nothing to do with any of this in the past, great baseball guy, someone I always really respected as a baseball guy, and I would have been very happy to see him be in Philadelphia too if if the Phillies had gone that direction. But Dusty Baker publicly asked MLB for help. What do you think of that? Do you think do you think that was a bad idea, or do you think he should have just left it alone and just gone about his business and just said, "Look, you know, I'm just here for the 2020 Astros. I don't know. I, you know, I can't control anything that happened before I got here." Why do you think uh, Dusty Baker would make a comment like that, Jeff? Well, I mean, I think he's trying to protect his players first and foremost. He's the manager of the team. I think he's taking one for the team. Yes, I'm. Dusty's a smart man. He's been around baseball for a while. And, of course, he knows coming out and saying that is going to make him look a little bit like a whiner. However, he'll curry a little bit of sympathy because he had nothing to do with it. But as a manager who's trying to win games, his number one job is to protect his players. And if he can get any early advantage, and it seems to have worked, because I think in that Carl Ravage interview, or recently Manfred was asked about it, and he said he does not want to see just this you know, overwhelming you know, uh, <laughs> retaliation, army of retaliation for every team that faces the Astros, and they're going to they're going to monitor that. So as bad as it looked from the Astros organization, it was smart of Dusty to do that. So now I I was reading some of the comments from today and and there was a press conference today as in Sunday. That's right. You're listening this when you want to listen to this because this is a podcast. Uh, But Rob Manfred had a, had a press conference. He took up shop in Atlanta Braves camp on Sunday. And he said three things. And this is via Jason Stark's Twitter. He said, one, MLB was aware of buzzers before the investigation. Second, since he felt players were honest about 2017 and 2018, it was, quote, hard to figure out why they would lie about 2019. And then finally, is he 100% sure there were no buzzers? He says not. So, Hunter, how about I'm going to go to you? There's a lot of talk about Jose Altuve and ripping off his jersey and you know, the, the first first answer was his wife wouldn't like it. And then Carlos Correa said, well, he had an unfinished tattoo and that's why he didn't want his jersey off and why he ran to the locker room and changed shirts. So what do you think about this buzzer gate, Hunter? I How is this getting worse every time they speak? It just doesn't even make sense. I don't know why they keep coming up with these answers. It's ridiculous. An unfinished tattoo? I mean, that just seems laughable. I don't even know how anyone buys that. The crazy thing is, what if this is the truth and we're just all over the place in our heads? But there's just no way. Every single time another story comes out about it, it just seems like it's even more fabricated than the one before that. And 
I got to wonder who the first reporter is going to be to ask Jose Altuve to show his finished tattoo, right? Do you think he's got a tattoo under there that, that somebody can look at? So, but yeah, you know what? I well, think you're absolutely... getting one right now in case he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that John boy on the internet, you know, you know, John boy, he's the one that, oh, yeah. that uh, really, really caught a lot of that trash can banging early. If you don't follow John boy on Twitter, uh, I think he's John boy underscore or something like that. He, He's he's something to follow. Cowboy, he, yeah. he he has been going through every every video of Astro season and looking for any possible indication that Jose Altuve has a tattoo, and <laughs> so far it doesn't really seem to be the case. Right. So that's Real a very interesting thing. Good though on the buzzer. It's my understanding in reading what Manfred said that the buzzer issue never came up or was never there was never any evidence found of them using a bu- buzzer during their investigation. But I don't think that the buzzer was even brought to light until after the investigation was concluded. So my issue was, were you looking for it during your investigation? Just because the evidence didn't pop up, maybe you weren't looking, maybe you weren't told about it, maybe you hadn't heard about it then. And then my second issue with that would be the rest of baseball. Like Some people think have said or think that this is going on way more than just Astros and Red Sox, and they've said that they're – the scope of their investigation was on those two teams and nothing more because that's where their complaints were centered on. How could you uncover this information and not take it upon yourself to make sure that this is not more endemic than just two teams? It feels like Rob didn't want to know more than already what he, what, it, what baseball already has found out. Well, one of the things that I found most interesting was when Jose Altuve was directly asked, he said, well, the investigation didn't find anything. You know, it wasn't, no, we didn't use buzzers. It was, well, the investigation didn't find anything. So right. uh, very, very interesting things to, uh, to keep, to keep in mind. And, and it seems like the internet is always, <laughs> is always on the prowl. Uh, they found some pictures of a bunch of the Astros players with no shirts on. And Altuve certainly did not have a tattoo at the time of that, uh, uh, the time of that picture down at the beach, wherever they were, I guess it was Galveston if they were down in Houston, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, this will be interesting. And, and, and what do you think guys, is this going to go away anytime soon? Or is this the thing that's just going to continually get worse and worse and just never end? It's never going to end. It's not going to end. It's too big of a story. It started out just not that it wasn't big, but it started out as, eh, you know, were they cheating? Everyone cheats in baseball. Everybody steals signs. But once you started to dive into how brutal this really was and how much went into it and how methodical it was, it's to such a big, dis- like to a big extreme. And so many of the players, as I mentioned, are pissed off about it. Where when you see and you hear Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman, all of these big time players this upset. I don't see how it can go away because the people who are on the field with them are disturbed the most. Did you just refer to Marcus Stroman as a big time player? Well, a big, a bigger name, a big <laughs> no, name. He's not bad. Yeah, yeah he's no, a big he's not name. bad. He's not bad. I'm just, I'm messing. <laughs> uh, but no, I kind of agree. The whole civil war aspect of this, I think, makes it even different than steroids. Steroids. I thought there was going to be a civil war between the the big sluggers and then when the Mitchell report came out and then everybody else, but then more evidence came out that pretty much everybody was using steroids. Even pitchers that we had never heard of were using steroids, and it wound out wound up just being easy to move on because they were able to put down legislation against it, and there was no one team that could say we had more guys than you because everybody was doing it. This will feel, and by the way, because the Red Sox have not yet been punished or Alex Cora has not yet been punished, 
that's going to continue to keep this thing in the light, in the cycle. And it sounded from what Manfred said that what Cora was doing with the Red Sox was even more advanced than what the Astros were doing. So again, it's going to give more people reasons to complain. Pitchers, baseball players are going to get angry about it and it's going to keep this thing going for a while. Maybe the Red Sox did a favor to Mookie Betts and David Price and get them out of the way before, <laughs> of course, they get sent to the Los Angeles Dodgers who had the biggest gripe about the 2017 season. So um, so one last question here for both of you before we move on to our next topic. Should the Houston Astros vacate the World Series title? Hunter? I think they should, and, and here's why. Because they only have one. If they had eight, and, oh, now they only have seven. It doesn't feel as brutal of a punishment, but because there's one, now the next time they're in the World Series, what do the commentators say? What's the broadcast say? Oh, well, they're going for their first ever World Series. Like, it, I think it's important that they only have one. Well, wait, hold up, though, because then you can't treat an organization differently than another. So you're saying if it was the Yankees who have 27, you don't have to strip them? But the, No, the Red- no, no. You still would, but it wouldn't mean as much to the fans. because, And it's not to take away the personal tie. Everyone who went to the parade, they experienced the parade. It is what it is. But it more comes down to now the record books. And I mm-hmm. think it just means more to an organization that only has one. You would still do it to the Yankees. But what are the Yankee fans going to say? Oh, who cares? Right. We got 20 whatever more. Yeah, my first reaction was no, Hunter. I, I just thought it it's like when Michigan's Final Four got vacated. That, Well, their Final Four appearance, I should say. Um, they vacated it, but who cares? Like, everybody knows they went to the Final Four in the championship game. But after hearing Jim Crane in his press conference try to deny – well, to deny accountability and deny that it had an impact on the game and then say it did have an impact on the game, I thought, you know what, maybe they really do need to have their – title stripped for them to really truly understand the magnitude of what they did wrong. Yeah. I think that for me, the tough thing was they got a memo right before the playoffs in September of 2017. It says, don't you dare do this. And yet they chose to do it anyway. So for me, I think it's very easy to excuse anybody up to that point. But after that, I think they, they kind of sealed their own fate at this point. So so it'd be very interesting to see how this plays out, I'm sure, as, as you both have indicated. We'll be talking about this again. By the way, the Phillies are in Houston for a three-game series the first week of July. So we'll see if anything interesting is going on there. And by the way, the one thing that, that I can add to this is every time the visiting uh, media shows up to Houston for the first time, guess what they're all going to ask about? So I think that they're going to hear this all year long. So this will not go away until the last team gets to Houston for the first <laughs> series in Houston. All well, right. It's a but- shame the Astros aren't coming to Philly because then they, you think they'd be booed in other places. If they were coming to Philly, man, they'd be booed and have stuff thrown at them that the pitchers weren't even <laughs> on the field. They even part of <laughs> Oh, uh, well, that that day will come. Unfortunately, it won't be for three more years, but who knows? Maybe we'll still be, be talking Series. about that, right? It'll be in the World <laughs> Series this year. <laughs> All right. Well, as I said, this was the pitchers and catchers edition of this, and the Phillies pitchers and catchers reported to Clearwater this week. I have not reported to Clearwater yet. I will be doing so the end of next week, but uh, so that's when it really begins, right? Uh, but um, but let's talk pitchers and catchers. So first, let's let's start with the pitchers, right? So the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, let's talk about the bullpen first before we talk about the starting rotation. But the Philadelphia Phillies went into uh, this spring training signing one bullpen arm to a major league deal. And that bullpen arm is none other than Mr. Tommy Hunter, 
who was already with the Phillies. So, so let's talk about this bullpen for a second. I'm going to run down a whole bunch of names. So if we look at the 40-man roster and non-roster invitees. These are all potential bullpen arms, all right? Jose Alvarez, Victor Arano, Austin Davis, and Yel De Los Santos, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Edgar Garcia, Deolis Guerra, Tommy Hunter, Cole Irvin, Reggie McLean, Adam Morgan, Hector Neris. I'm not even done yet, by the way. One of Nick Pavetta or Vince Velasquez, Christopher Sanchez, Robert Stock, Ranger Suarez. All right, so that's just a, just just the people on the 40-man roster already. But let me run through the non-roster invitees that might make the Phillies bullpen. Trevor Kelly, Francisco Liriano, Bud Norris, Blake Parker, Drew Storin, Anthony Swarzak, Zach Warren. All right, so those are all the names that, that have a real shot, perhaps, of making the Phillies bullpen. So with all those names, how do you come up with the bullpen there? I can name two names that actually played – uh, an important part last year that were reliable, and that's Jose Alvarez and Hector Neris. What do you do with that bullpen? I'll go with you first, Jeff. Oh, so we're putting Hector Neris in the reliable category now, huh? Yeah, so you're, <laughs> I knew you were anti-Hector. I thought I'm, he had uh, a pretty decent year last year, to be honest he, with you. He did, he did. I'm just never going to be a fan <laughs> of Hector Neris. I don't believe in closers who throw split-fingered fastballs because, as we all know, that's not a pitch meant to be thrown for a strike. And if guys aren't swinging, and it always seems like when he's playing the good teams, like the Braves and other patient teams, they don't swing at it. And then he starts putting guys on base and giving up home runs. But I admit that there's nobody better right now for them to hold that closer roll down. Although I have suggested that um, if Jake Arrieta cannot stay healthy or last more than five innings, he's kind of has that bulldog mentality. I could see him. Uh, and that's a unique Jeff Mosher take. I've never heard anybody else say that anywhere ever. Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, he's not he's a guy not going five innings much anymore, and he says that's health, but we'll see. I mean, he gets his pitch count up, but he does throw strikes. Um, he does work efficiently. He has more than one pitch, and he has that. To me, he's got the mentality to be a closer. He's a bulldog. Um, I find him very unlikable at times, but nonetheless, he's kind of that – he's got that grit that you like to see out of the closer. So if all else fails, I think he can hold that job down, and it would be good for him, but we'll see. But what about the guys we actually have? So the, the, we see there's a there's a list. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I actually never counted the total sum of that list. But with all those names, how do you get an eight-man bullpen out of that? Well, I, honestly, I don't know. And and I know that the, the common answer is, you know, you use spring training to figure it out. But how many times do we see guys perform well, especially in relievers, right, uh, in spring, but then not carry that over into the season? So I go into the season saying any of these guys can make it. Um, I, you know, I almost hope Ranger Suarez loses out on the fourth or fifth role, not because he didn't pitch well, but just because they liked somebody else better. And then that puts him in the bullpen because I kind of like Ranger Suarez. Hunter, any thoughts? On yeah, the I, was, I was just thinking about Matt Clentak and what he had to say in his press conference the other day. And he mentioned how they were going with a different approach with the bullpen. And it's all analytical when it comes down to throwing a bunch of people in the mix and, and making it happen. So we need to trust and this is a scary thing now, Matt Klentak and Andy McPhail and, and the management to come up with these numbers that will help them choose out of all of these players who, like you stated, besides Hector Neris and Alvarez, and I'll even throw Adam Morgan in there because I thought Adam Morgan okay, had a Morgan. decent season last year. Mm -hmm. Besides those three, I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get. So 
let me ask you this because, and I've said this on the air too, who is out there besides Blake Trinan and Delon Betances, both of whom got 10 million or more as a free agent, both of whom major question marks. Is it a fair defense of the Phillies to say, well, there really wasn't a major league arm out there that was high impact anyway. So maybe the, the Francisco Liriano's of the world who had a nice season last year with the pirates, is that the way to go? You're telling me Blake Parker wasn't the answer? <laughs> <laughs> he was okay. Uh, <laughs> he was okay. No, I think you make a good point, Frank. It, and first of all, they went that route last year, right? I mean, they did go out and, and put some money into the bullpen and bring it in David Robertson and it, you know, uh, so, uh, some other guys. And it didn't work out to the, to the way they expected. And middle relievers are year to year anyway. Like I, Betances is a good reliever. But would it shock me if he wasn't as good outside of the Yankee cocoon like a lot of players aren't? No, it wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, some guy. look at how good two years ago Diaz was for the closer for the, mm. the Mariners and, and how bad he was last year for the Mets. And he was the reason they made that deal, not uh, Rob, uh, not the <laughs> Robinson. Cano. Cano. Cano and they're stuck with him for contract. four more years. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> so um, I, I think – the one weird thing is I don't know that that David Robertson is really going to come back in the second half. Like Girardi said that, that to me, even if he does, I mean, most of these guys come back from that surgery and they don't have their, their accuracy, you know, they can throw the ball, but they have no idea where it's going. So I'm not even relying on him. But what Frank, about Sir you... Anthony Dominguez real quick? That's the guy. That That's seems to be the up. big question mark here because, you know, played a big part in the bullpen when it came up, but obviously last and and uh, he somehow avoided Tommy John surgery. So, you know, does it feel like he's sort of teetering on Tommy John surgery? Yeah. I mean, it, it feel, until you see him go out there and throw the ball. And look, this happened to Tanaka from the Yankees, Masahiro Tanaka, where people thought he was going to have to have Tommy John. He rehabbed it, came back, and he's been a good pitcher for them, a really good playoff pitcher for them, almost better than the regular season. So if you're telling me Sir Anthony, who's a lot younger – didn't need the surgery, rehabbed it for quite a while, and he comes back and he's strong, great, good, wonderful. I hope they use him correctly. Um, I'm fine. You know, I, I mean, you can't just say the guy should have had surgery when we don't know what his elbow looked like. And this is the point where we all just say, well, I hope that whatever was needed to be resolved is resolved, and he's 100%. So the bullpen is, is still kind of thrown up in the air. Let's talk starting rotation for a second because – the bullpen will have one up. Now let's let's pretend and assume everybody is healthy. That's supposed to be a starter for the Phillies. The bullpen will have one of Nick Pavetta or Vince Velasquez. So they, they will have that. So what do you think of the idea of the Phillies going into the season relying on one of Nick Pavetta or Vince Velasquez to be in the starting rotation? And that is alongside Jake Arrieta, who has had some injury woes in the past. Do you think that's enough, Hunter? I do not. I, I, I do not. I, I like the Zach Wheeler acquisition. I think that's what you needed to do. You needed to go out. If you knew that the Yankees were going to go after Cole, you had to look at maybe the third best option. And I feel like Zach Wheeler was in that range. After the Cole, there was a drop-off, and you go after that type of guy. But what I would have done was you got to find a way to get another guy on top of Zach Wheeler. I don't trust Arietta because it's been two years of me thinking that I could trust Arietta, so I'm not doing that again. I would have liked Zach Eflin to be the fifth guy, and I'm out on Pavetta. And this is the thing. How many times are we going to sit here and say Nick Pavetta has the stuff, but it's not working out? We all know he has the stuff. It comes down to, I think, mentally he falls apart at times, and you can see him maybe 
acting like a little leaguer on the bump. I don't know if that's going to fly with Joe Girardi. So it comes down to the mental side of Nick Pavetta, not so much what he can do with the baseball. I just don't think they have enough in the starting rotation, and we're going to have the same conversation that we've been having every summer when it hits June and July when it comes to the back end of the rotation. Can we get Spencer Howard in by May? That's what I really wonder. You know, March, can you, you get him? You mean March? March. <laughs> I have no, I have absolutely no premonition whatsoever that they're going to bring this guy to the big league uh, right out of spring training. Although we've seen that before, right? Other teams, we've said that. Like I remember when the Yankees were not going to bring Aaron Judge out of spring training, and then they brought him out of spring training. Same thing last year with the Mets and Peter Alonso. We're going to use Dominic Smith. Then they bring Alonso out for whatever reason. Then they have breakout year. So. I don't know, uh, Frank, maybe there's a shot that they, you know, they don't worry so much about the protection. And it's really with him, not about even that extra year. It's about the innings or lack thereof that he's put in the minor leagues. But I I feel like the Phillies can maybe hold the fort down a little bit until he gets there. But again, I'm not, uh, not a hundred percent confident in it for everything Hunter just said, but I'll say this about the, the coaching staff and where this might make a big difference. Right. When we talk about the bullpen and the rotation, if you were to take one, identifiable trait from Joe Girardi's time as the Yankees manager outside of all the money that they had to spend and what that got them. He was an excellent, excellent manager of his bullpen. And in turn, that took uh, a lot of relief or I'm sorry, it took a lot of pressure off the, the starters to have to go seven, eight, nine innings. Right. So you saw a really nice system they had set up there in, in New York where most of the starters went five or six and then, you know, three or four arms took it there. Can Joe Girardi handle this bullpen better than Gabe Kapler? I sure hope so, because I don't think Gabe Kapler did an excellent (laughs) job of managing the bullpen. Um, And can Brian Price, who was not a very good manager in Cincinnati and did not deal with the public very well, but is known as a good, a really good um, pitcher and developer of pitchers, can these two maximize the talent that the Phillies have, Frank? I mean, isn't that the big question? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the thing about Spencer Howard, you know, he was just under 100 innings last year. He had some injuries. I really don't think they want to they want to push him. Like, I I think they're totally content with throwing Eniel De Los Santos in the rotation if they have to in April and May, if that means that they can start Spencer Howard later on in the year. So I really think that 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 can't be something they count on in the early going. I think they're hoping that if if you get to the end, the, the point in the season last year, for example, where Arietta went down, like there will definitely be a Spencer Howard by then. But he's hurt right now. Did you know that? Who's that? Ba- Spencer Howard oh, got banged up. A little little bit. It seems like a little minor setback, but I but I think all along they were they're really planning on sort of I'll say babying him, but you know, I think that the, I, I remember at the end of last year thinking they, they were going to send him to the fall league, and I thought it was just asinine. And then they were going to send him to the team USA thing that Girardi was supposed to manage. And I thought that was asinine. So he barely showed up to the fall league and then he sat out the, uh, the USA thing. So, so I think, I think they realized that they need to kind of hold back if he's going to go deep in the season. So I think they don't want to have a, a situation like the Washington nationals in 2012, where Steven Strasburg was held out of the playoffs. <laughs> and then, you know, it took them eight more years to, well, they won the world series last year, but uh, the nationals never really got anywhere for years after holding him back that year. So I think they really want to conserve those innings so that they can can use them later on. But but I think I think we all agree that there's there's a lot of questions there surrounding that starting rotation. Now I'll segue to to the ne- the next major thing that I really want to talk about is is some of the rankings are out or the proposed uh, standings where where some of the projections are going. Uh, the Pakota, uh, which is a it's not Bill Pakota the baseball player. If you're not familiar with that, if you remember Bill Pakota in the '80s, but <laughs> 
Um, but that, but that's an acronym uh, with this advanced sabermetric type uh, projections. Uh, the Pakota rankings have the Phillies at 77 wins and missing the playoffs. And there's another group of rankings that came out that had the Phillies at 78 wins, both rankings listing the New York Mets as NL East champions. So do you think the Phillies really project that low uh, and are the Mets really that good? So we'll start with you, Jeff. Well, well, I think the Pocota projection for the Phillies is around 77 games, uh, 77, 77 wins, correct? Yep, 77. You know, it's hard to see this Phillies team being worse than last year's or the year before. I do th- think that every year they make a little bit of incremental jump up in talent. But if you were to make the argument that the Braves and Nationals were already better and the Mets have more talent. The Mets are always a dumpster fire for a variety of different reasons, (laughs) but I do believe that when both teams come out of camp, that the Mets 26 man is going to be better and more talented than the Phillies 26 man. So you can make a legitimate argument that if they have one of those years, like they do every once, every 10 years, things go right for them. They could be a pretty talented team. I, I do can see that. So if you're not as good as those three teams, some of those games you won last year, you may not win uh, this year. So while I, I think there are more like an 80 to an 83 win team, you can probably make an argument. A couple of things don't go right here or there or injuries here and there. And I could th- see them not being good enough. Well, let me ask you this, Jeff, since you're talking about the Mets. So the Mets don't resign Zach Wheeler, who was good enough for a 4.1 war last season. So pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good for a starting pitcher. And they sort of semi replaced him with the combination of Michael Waka and Rick Porcello, both of whom are sort of the bounce-back candidate types more so than than solid uh, guarantees for the New York Mets rotation. And the rotation is supposed to always be the Mets' strength, but it never seems to come together. What makes you think, Jeff, that this this is the year that that might actually come together? Well, I don't know that it is. I just say that I think from a talent standpoint, they have more talent than the Phillies. Now, like I said, they're a dumpster fire every year, and they very well could be this year. But – I would argue that they all they kind of pre-replaced Zach Willer last year when they traded for Marcus Stroman, right? So their number one, two, three are DeGrom, um, Syndergaard, and Stroman. I think that's better than what the Phillies throw out one through three. And then, as you mentioned, with Waka and, and um, their four, now their bullpen could be just as much of a disaster as the uh, as the Phillies bullpen is. So that's why I say it could go either way. But I do think from a talent standpoint, you would probably trade the Phillies 26 for the Mets 26. And and special thanks to Yoannis Cespedes for what, what did he do? Wrestle a hog or something. It was something like that, that, uh, that gave the Mets the money to sign Dylan Batance. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. who knows if, if, if Robbie uh, Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Cespedes didn't fall in that hole. Uh, the Phillies might've been the ones with, with, uh, with Dylan Batances. Hunter, what do you think about those rankings from Pakoda? I think it's a little low. When you add Didi, you add a healthy Andrew McCutcheon to this point, you add Joe Girardi, and you change up the staff a little bit. I think it's hard to say that they're going to lose more games than they did last year. But um, I think I saw Vegas open up originally around 84.5, 85.5 wins. That's probably where I think they're going to be, which is not going to be good enough for a wild card spot or the division. 77, 78, that's low, but I'm, I'm more around where Jeff says in that 83 win type of team, which is still very disappointing in my opinion. Well, do you the, know, 
if that thing is based a lot on analytics, I wonder what it's all analytics. Where, yeah. So where is the uh, the analytic or the saber metric that's saying that they're worse in specific categories than they were last year or the year before? Because I would think that defensively they've improved a lot by having Gregorius. Uh, at shortstop, and then you're, you're going to put Hazley at center field, and so you got to rely on Kingery I mean, playing third base. But if that's your your only bad defensive spot, right? They seem way stronger up the middle now. I would think defensively. Well, here's the thing: I think with the Pakoda, if if you're a computer running the numbers, who is your starting rotation? Who is your bullpen? Do the Phillies even know the answer to either things right now? So, right. How, how can a mathematical equation figure out whether it's going to be uh, Robert Stock or Francisco Liriano or, right. you know, maybe maybe some other young guy like Christopher Sanchez comes up and makes a difference? I don't think it, I don't think I don't think anybody knows who's going to be in the Philly start. Uh, well, by the way, speaking of defense, I, I, I did leave Reese Hoskins out on that when I mentioned bad defense. Uh, Reese Hoskins yeah. over at first base is no pretty sight. Well, there will be a DH probably by 2021. <laughs> so um, that, that's that's a topic for another day. But I, I think it's coming, and I think I think that that will work itself out, especially with Alec Bohm probably needing to play a position other than third base in a couple of years. So, uh, but yeah, that's the other thing too. Like Alec Bohm, could he come up if if he's ready to come up by June and play? I mean, like the 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 sabermetrics aren't going to predict that now per se. So so I, th- I think there's a lot out there, but. You know, I, I think the thing about those numbers, and if I'm not mistaken, if I looked at the, um, if I looked at the numbers there, that the, uh, looking at the Pocota rankings, 85 wins makes the playoffs according to those rankings. So, um, can yeah, but can, I, yeah, that's weird. Do you think? Because I believe the Mets were the yeah, you said the Mets were first in in both of those, and they were below 90 wins. Like I don't understand how that num that computer doesn't put the Braves at at least 90 wins. I don't know. That seems crazy. They have the Braves at 82.8. Now let me me point this out about the Atlanta Braves. Cole Hamels signed for $18 million to be in the starting rotation will not be ready by opening day. That's a huge uh, blow to the Atlanta Braves. Josh Donaldson goes to Minnesota. Huge blow to the Atlanta Braves. They had to replace him with the, um, was it a Castellan? I'm sorry. I'm, Cassiano signed with anybody yet? I mean, I was yeah, thinking he, about. Yeah, he did. Braves though. No, the Reds. No, they, they got they was got it Ozuna. Red. No, it wasn't the Reds. Red, Reds. Red, it, Red, it was Red. the Reds. Okay. Right. So, so, so anyway, I'm, I'm sorry for the for, for the. I guess when it happened, I was thinking that they needed to sign Castiano or Ozuna, but Austin Raleigh, the third baseman, is a lot different than Austin Raleigh, the outfielder that you could also play somebody else, you know, in mm-hmm. the outfield slot. So, so, so the the Braves took a step back, even though they got a nice it's player in Ozuna. Didn't they? Yeah, they did sign Ozuna, right? Yeah, they have Ozuna to, to basically replace Donaldson. That, that's a that's a huge drop off. Uh, so uh, Cole Hamill's not in the rotation. When well, I you're saying, well, is Felix Hernandez going to make the Braves, and is he going to be in the starting rotation opening day? The Braves Braves have plenty of question marks. So, but uh, but eighty two point eight wins is their projection. But even the Mets to win the division, eighty seven point eight wins. So that, that just tells me they think the the whole division's probably going to beat up on each other because you know I, I would say that they're talented every team besides the Miami Marlins and who knows if the Phillies can even beat that team that's another discussion but it just shows me <laughs> that I guess they think the whole division's going to beat up on one another and then the, whoever wins it's going to have not a high win total. Yeah, in fact, if you look at the entire National League on these, so the only teams they have with a a, a record above five hundred are the Mets, Nationals. Braves, Reds, Cubs, 
Dodgers. That's it. Wow. Six, majority. Six, yeah. Majority of them coming from the NL East. Six teams, six teams with a, with a record above 500. They think three of them will be in the, in the national league. East. So very, very interesting numbers. Now, I don't, I don't know how they'll look compared to the over-unders. You know, I'm not, I'm not into the, the, the odds like you are Hunter, but I, I think that'll be very interesting to watch over spring training to see what happens there. And, and for the most part, unlike last year, the rosters are pretty set. Right, guys. So, so I mean, like last year, they're introducing JT Real Muto around now. Uh, right. <laughs> the, the talk about Machado and Harper just went on and on and on and on to the point we were tired of talking about it. In fact, even mm-hmm. to the point where I shut my mailbag down because that's the only thing anybody would ask about. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> and Andrew Knapp. Uh, yeah, oh, that, oh, Andrew geez, Knapp. Like it, Andrew oh. Knapp is fine. Your backup catcher is the least of your worries. Yes, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm anti Andrew Knapp, but I do understand what you're coming from. Well, there's a 20. 26- I'm, I'm just. I'm just anti Andrew Knapp when he is the top pinch hitter off yes, of your bench. Yes, yes, yes. He was yes. never the top pinch hitter. He was the last pinch hitter. But now way. there's a whole extra man on the bench who will hit ahead of Andrew Knapp. So yeah, but sometimes so it'll be Josh Gabe Harrison Kapler, or sometimes Gabe Kapler had that guy out first off the bench. It, it was whatever Gabe felt like that day after you know his chicken nuggets and his lotion and all that. <laughs> Depends on whether Sean Rodriguez can give it a go or not. Oh, don't even <laughs> don't even get me going about Sean Rodriguez. Uh, Miami Marlin this year. So we'll be seeing plenty of him in the national league East. Oh, great. He's going to hit a walk <laughs> off off of us. You know it. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, he, he will. Right? You know like he, he, will. He, he and Alfaro will go back to back and the Phillies will, will lose some game two, you know, by two runs easily. Right. So, you know, that that's always how it works out. We all know that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny about the, the, the Phillies utility infielders, everybody either loves them or they hate some Wilson Valdez. They're ready to build a statue because he pitches for an inning and wins a game. Uh, but uh, I, I guess Rodriguez needed to win one of those games he pitched. All right, so let me ask you this. Who's the first off the bench to pitch this year, huh? Oh, pitch? Oh, boy. Roman well, Quinn. Are, we, are they down? Do you say pinch hit or pitch? Pitch. Now, actually, now, the rules have changed a little bit. You have to list somebody as a pitcher or a two-way player this uh, this year. So I got to wonder if they'll get they'll, they'll start getting uh, Vince Velasquez on that two-way player list, right? Because – uh, that nice play in left field last year and mm-hmm. <laughs> assist. Whatever happened to that minor leaguer who used to throw with both uh, the left and the right arm that the Phillies Pat had? Pat Vendetti. He signed yeah. to somebody this offseason. I think well, he I did make the majors last year. Um, I can't remember with who. Hold on. I'll tell you in one second. So that's the beauty of the internet here. So. I had high hopes for him. <laughs> He's with the Marlins this year. So oh, great. Oh, that's great. So he yeah. will throw the shutout inning in the, in the uh, top of the ninth. And then, then Sean Rodriguez will hit the walk-off for the bottom of the ninth for the, uh, <laughs> when they're in Miami. Right. And then Jorge Alfaro will help catch the no hitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's uh uh, I, lo- I love catching up on ex-Phillies, but it seems like there's going to be a lot of them now since so many of them didn't work out in the rebuild that uh, uh, mm-hmm. they will be ex-Philly killers uh, someday <laughs> coming coming to <laughs> coming to a stadium near you. So, all right. So uh, we're almost out of time, believe it or not. This went really, really fast, and there's a lot of great talk here. But um, I'm going to ask each of you if, if there's one major headline, and then this is this is off the cuff. I didn't warn them I was going to ask them this. Uh-oh. If there's one major headline or one major issue you want to look at this spring training for the Phillies or storyline, what would it be? Jeff, I'll ask you first to put you on the spot. An issue that we yet have what, not What's the big storyline that you think is going to develop this spring for the Phillies? Um, 
Oh man, I, you know, to me, it's it's Howard and Baum. I, I just think that we're going to find ourselves really early in the season wondering when those guys are going to be coming up and contributing. Hunter. Well, I, I think it has to be pitching. I know we talked about it for a majority, but it, it, that's the reason why we talked about it. It's because we don't know the bullpen, and we don't really trust the back half of the rotation. So it, it has to be that. But you mentioned the young guns that we're trying to call up. I found it interesting that Bryce Harper was asked about Chris Bryant, and him and Chris Bryant were obviously best friends growing up. And he mentioned the young guns and said, listen, you need players like that to step up. So as much as he wants Chris Bryant – you need players who are young, who are willing to be hungry, and who don't get paid a lot of money so you can go out and pay other stars in this league. I just thought it was really interesting to hear his take on it. I thought it was fascinating because ballplayers don't usually understand all of the business side, right? And and the idea that you can't just keep adding from without, from with, from outside, 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 not develop from within. So it also probably speaks highly of those two guys who we're all kind of, you know, we want them to be good, but we don't know. But for a guy to say – these guys are almost close to untouchable. He has to feel that way based on his interactions and observing them, I would think. So I'm going to throw one more thing at you here. So I'm going to to make a bold prediction. I think the Phillies will start the season without either Nick Pavetta or Vince Velasquez in the starting rotation. I think there will be somebody else involved. Who? I don't know yet. I think that's for the spring to find out. Oh, come on, you have to have a little idea there. <laughs> yeah, now you got me excited. I might not I sleep tonight. I might not sleep tonight after hearing that. Are you kidding me? No Nick Pavetta? Pull the beans, Frankie. So this is my this is my bold prediction for the spring. Ranger Suarez starting pitcher. So we'll see. We'll see. We still have a lot of spring training to go. Phillies play for the first time in live action on Saturday. They will be playing in Lakeland against the Detroit Tigers. And next week, we'll be back to sort of wrap up the first weekend's worth of games. And we look forward to, to being with you the rest of spring training and throughout the season. So for the Powder Blue Podcast, I'm Frank Close with Jeff Mosher and Hunter Brody. We'll catch you next time.